Hi there, my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with a top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. My name is Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge, and I'm very excited to have Kaihan Krippendorf back to Conversations at the Edge. He's a best-selling author of five books, and most recently, the Edison Award-nominated Driving Innovation from Within, a guide for internal entrepreneurs. And he's our, at Growth Institute's, go-to guru on strategy. He teaches our Outthink the Competition Master Business course, uh, which is actually going to be starting in October. So very excited to have you, Kaihan, join us again for Conversations at the Edge. And um, where are you calling in from today? I call, I'm calling in from Miami. I just moved last week from Connecticut to Miami with my family. So that's where I am. So, Kaihan, um, your newest book is based on driving innovation from within. And it's my understanding that in order to do so, you kind of need to breed this identity of outthinkers in your organization. And if I am correct in that assumption, can you tell us a little bit about what an outthinker is? Yes. So, um, outthinking, people often think of it as like thinking outside of the box, but I really believe that it's much more helpful to give people different boxes to think in. And I know that sounds a little bit like a, a turn of phrase, but um, it's very difficult for us to think about not, but to think about, but rather to think about something. And so, when we face a problem, whether that is expanding our business or increasing our margins or increasing the value of our customers or retention rates or 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 or, or ability to recruit people. Um, when we face a problem and we cannot find a really breakthrough solution, what is missing is that we're not using the right type of language. We're not using the right type of terminology. And so outthinking is really about using different vocabulary when you're thinking about strategy in order to see options that your current vocabulary doesn't allow you to see, and then choose options that your current vocabulary doesn't allow you to, doesn't encourage you, let's say, to choose. Uh, and, and that sounds sort of esoteric, but like, just take, for example, there was a time before, like, many people here know the term inventory turns. And inventory turns was a terminology that in the 1950s did not exist. So companies were growing and growing and growing, but they were losing cash. And they were like, how can it be that we're so successful and we're not profitable or, 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 or our balance sheets are, are, you know, are, are depleted? And so uh, someone came up with this term, inventory turns, and then people started focusing on that. And that allowed them to behave differently, manage themselves differently. And now with that term, inventory turns, you can now scale and scale so, and, and do that without burning a lot of cash. So it really is that language, that concept. So, you know, outthinking is about embracing those new concepts. That's an old concept, but there are some new concepts that are emerging that companies that are really thriving in this fast-paced, digital, purpose-driven world that they are using. And if we can learn those and apply them, then we'll start behaving differently and that will shape the, our strategy in the future. So do we have to come up with the words ourselves or are we looking externally at what's going on in the market and globally and embrace those newer terms? What What is your suggestion on that? I, I love creativity. So I would never encourage someone not to come up with their own words. However, um, what I do is I study lots and lots of companies and I analyze how they talk about strategy. And I take these pairs of companies 
companies that are really outperforming and those are underperforming. I look at what's the difference in the language between these two. And then you notice these patterns. So I think it's very helpful to use that language. Like for example, companies that are really successful today, you will see and you can measure, they talk more about coordinating things. Whereas their peers that are underperforming, they talk more about controlling things. So coordination, let's unpeel that. Blockchain, distributed ledger, distributed finance, um, decentralized business models, platform bot business models, peer-to-peer, all of that is hinged on the concept of we create power by coordinating things, not by controlling things. You know, why is YouTube so successful? Why is um, TikTok so successful? It coordinates users to create content. Companies that are starting to struggle are those that are trying to control content. And so if we can see that that new concept is winning and we start adopting it, and then you ask in my industry, whether I'm selling plumbing supplies or consulting services or windows or whatever, what would it look like to coordinate rather than control? then that opens up all kinds of opportunities for you. You know, in scaling up, there are specific meetings that leadership teams are supposed to have to be understanding the trends and kind of evaluating the market. But for these entrepreneurs, the other folks in the organization, how do you like help them get out of their own bubble and start seeing these trends or focusing on this new terminology so that it's not just the CEO and a select few others who are thinking differently, but you can kind of embrace that those ideas throughout the you know different levels of the organization. So I say there there, there are two different things. One one is um, let's say your culture can be values, but they can also be patterns of behavior. Those patterns of behavior are translated through your language. So at 3M. If you think about any 3M story, it is something like whether that's the post-it note or masking tape, the story goes like this. My boss told me no, so I went in the garage and I built it, and then I proved to my boss there was a market. Then we launched it, then we were successful. That becomes a pattern of behavior that's encouraged by in, in other employees at, at 3M. So looking at what are the stories that you tell that inform what behaviors we want from people. Um, and in that meeting, if that's your daily huddle or that is a longer form meeting, when you're tackling a little problem, it is helpful to think about five different steps to that conversation. And those five steps spell ideas. So first is imagine, step out into the future and have your team imagine the long-term ideal future. Step two, dissect, break down the problem, look at the business model and say, what part of the business model should we focus on? Expand is ideate, generate lots and lots of potential options. Like for example, we had a team meeting today. Um, we do a, we, a, a, a monthly OKR, objective and key results meeting, kind of like a metrics meeting, right? And, um, and we were talking about that there was this one 
kind of marketing strategy that we think there's an opportunity for. And instead of just discussing that idea, we said, okay, imagine, what do we ideally want? We want people flowing through the funnel. So they just like spontaneously come in. We don't need a sales force. Dissect. What should we, is, is this a people problem, a process problem, a promotion problem, a positioning problem, a physical experience problem? It is a promotion problem. Okay. Then expand. Okay. What are... Th- 10, 15 different promotion ideas we could consider. Let's try YouTube. Let's try Instagram. Let's try uh, LinkedIn. You know, let's do like pound the street. Let's find uh, networks, whatever, whatever that is. And then analyze sorting through those and say, you know what, let's of those 50 or 20 or whatever that is, what are the two or three that we really want to pursue on pursue? And then sell is how do we communicate the, this decision to the team so that everyone understands it and starts aligning to it, I-D-E-A-S. You have this concept called the fourth option idea. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, when you're going through this ideas process, we're not necessarily looking for the regular run-of-the-mill ideas, but rather these fourth option ideas? Yes. Yeah, I think you know, it, it all... I'm glad you shared that, that that all comes down to creating fourth options. All right. So the fourth option is a metaphor. It says there's a point at which others stop thinking. That's represented by three. When I was a consultant at McKinsey, they trained me to break everything down into threes and three sets of threes and three sets of threes. If you hear a great orator, say Martin Luther King, he repeats in threes. I have a dream. I have a dream. I have a dream. That three represents the point at which people stop thinking. So your competitors say, There are three ways to price in this market. There are three success factors to win in this business. I've solved this problem. You need to do A, B, and C. That represents the moment at which your competition has stopped thinking. And all great companies are founded on recognizing where people have stopped thinking and finding a fourth option, whether that is you need to distribute computers through retailers to end users. And then Michael Dell says, no, let's go direct. Whether that's Southwest Airlines that says you need to, you know, companies said, uh, airline companies said, we need to go hub and spoke. That's more efficient. And Southwest Airlines said, no, let's go point to point. Or Sam Walton you know, at, at, the, at the at the time was believed you need to put um stores inside cities where there are street traffic. And he said, no, I'm going to put them in rural areas. Every great company you will find is founded on a set of fourth options. And companies like Amazon, for example, they come up with fourth options across all dimensions of their business model. And so really, ultimately, what we want to do is we want to rethink. That's why it's called outthink. Take every element of the business and say, this is the, these are the three things that everyone says we should do. And therefore, the way to differentiate ourselves is to do this differently. That's the fourth option. And so how often are you trying to come up with these fourth option ideas? Is this a quarterly thing? Is it an annual thing? Is it more often than that? I think it's um, three, three different periods. So one would be your fundamental business model. You know, you know, I know you guys do stuff on, on business model design, business model innovation, thinking about new pricing strategies or distribution strategies. So as you're designing your business, you can go across, I think there are eight different dimensions to the business. You can go across all eight different dimensions and systematically look at where do we see a fourth option. The next level is annually. Every year, you look at all of your options, that you, that, you know, all the strategies you implemented, the, the, the rocks that were in your one-page plan, and then you say, hey, let's come up with a new set of rocks, and then you can do that. And then also, but you could also look for fourth options Tactically, let's say there is a key client we want to get. 
and we're having a meeting with them tomorrow. What is a fourth option that we can go into that meeting with that will surprise them and differentiate us? So, you know, in exponential organizations, one of our other courses at Growth Institute, Salim Ismail talks about the idea of taking these fourth option ideas and kind of trying to implement them at the edge of the organization. So you don't necessarily distract the core, you put them at the edge and you let them build something. And once there's enough traction, then you can get other folks involved. What is your your thought around kind of sticking them on the edge of the, the organization to begin? I think it's really helpful to put them on the edge for the ship not to be part of the of the fortress. However, I think what that runs the risk as, and, and I know Salim uh, well, and he's been on my podcast, and I really respect his work. It's an amazing program. Uh, and I also think that there are some really exciting things that you can do in the core. And if you separate the if you, if you push the innovation out the edge, what you tell the core is by implication that you're not meant to innovate. Now, let me think, let's say Amazon, let's say Amazon said, we're going to do the innovation on the edge. What would have happened to Amazon Prime? Amazon Prime is a simple pricing strategy that says, we're going to have people pay an amount and they get free shipping. They were debating whether it should be $49.99 or $99.99. They split the difference. They called it $79.99. So it's not so much that it will deter people from signing up, but it's not so little that people won't care. All they did was introduce a new pricing mechanism. And what did that do? That transformed customers from gee, I'm looking for some dog food. Let me go online and see, does Amazon have a good price? I'll buy it. To now, I want to buy everything from Amazon because I want to get the most out of my $79.99 investment, right? It was hugely transformative to the business. Is that an edge strategy? That is a fourth option, but that is a core strategy and it's not disruptive to the core. So I think it is... When the new idea is inconsistent with the existing business model, it's helpful to put it out on the edge and separate it so it doesn't have to deal with the entanglements of the core business model. But to do, but but doing that risks telling the core you're not meant to innovate. And if you don't tell the core that you're, if you if you tell it the core, you're going to miss opportunities like that. If Amazon didn't come up with Amazon Prime, I don't know what its valuation would be today versus what it what it is today versus what it would have been. But it would it would certainly it, the Amazon Prime added a lot of value to the company. So Kaihan, I'm curious, you know, organizations who are implementing the OutThinker ideas process, what are they, you know, when they're trying to do it, what are people getting wrong? What are people mistaking about, you know, creating these ideas and dissecting them and analyzing and selling them to the business? Yeah. Well, there are really five things that they get wrong and and, and they align with IDEAS. Under Imagine, what companies get wrong is they define their strategic goals based off of past performance. And that's like a bad chess player trying to push our pawns forward, hoping to get into chessmate. Dissect. The risk is that we keep going back to the obvious part of the business model. Like we were successful in sales. So every time we want to improve the company's performance, we turn to sales or we grew up with people. So we want to turn to culture or we grew up with uh, you know, we did something really cool in distribution strategy. So we want to go to channels and distribution. So that's the second one. The third is not coming up with enough ideas is that we 
create strategies with three or four or five ideas. And we just spend most of our time debating which one of those. What I like to do and what the Outthinker process helps you do is not three or four or five, but 50, 100, 150, as many as 200 potential strategies and overwhelm your competition with that many possibilities. And then the step, the, the fourth fault is killing off the seemingly crazy idea because it's usually the crazy idea, the one that seems impossible that ends up being the fourth option. Why? Because when we introduce that strategy into the marketplace, we want the competition to ignore and laugh at us. We want them to say, that's not going to work. You can't get people to shop out in certain urban, in, 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 in urban er- I mean, uh, um, rural areas. You cannot efficiently run a point-to-point model. You cannot sell PCs directly to consumers, going back to the examples I shared before. So we need to have space to work on crazy ideas and then sell, you know, um, my favorite quote, by, um, my favorite uh, phrase is um, a Japanese phrase, which is strategy without action is a daydream. But action without strategy is a nightmare. So sell is about aligning what our people do to that new strategy. So those would be the five things that the risk is we get wrong, but we can fix that easily by implementing IDEAS. So just a couple of comments from the the audience. Uh, Rob is saying, hi, I just want to thank you for your work. I've heard you speak, read out, think, took your master business course and use your awesome. seven clients. So just want to awesome. say thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Robert. Speaking of the strategies, you have these 36 strategies that you talk about in your book and in your course, and we definitely don't have time to go through all of them, but I'm curious if there's any that you found have been like most appropriate or common given today's environment with inflation and supply chain and talent shortages and things like that? There is this one uh, strategy, which um, I'm kind of, you could kind of think of it as proximity, which is that the production and provision of value is going to move ever closer to the point of demand in time and space. If we look at 3D printing, for example, it allows us to produce things just when they're needed, where they're needed. So if we want to look at one of the strategies that we do in the course is the next battleground. In many industries, the next battleground will be defined by proximity. So if you want to look at where things are going, say in my industry, if I'm selling accounting services, what does P equals zero look like? Someone needs some accounting advice and immediately it is delivered to them at that moment. Someone wants some ice cream. We make it and deliver it right there in time and space where they want it, where they want, when they want it. Now, there's going to be a big gap between here and there, but seeing how we can reduce that gap will tell you what the next moves are that are going to advance the industry. So I think especially now when we're dealing with so much uncertainty, where COVID has accelerated trends that were already underway, we're leapfrogging to those future stages of P equals zero. And if you can identify where, let's say if you're at P100, P equals 100, if you can get to P equals 98, you're going to leapfrog your competition and be ahead of the game. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.